everybody. Welcome to another episode of Studio Wesley Annex, our weekly discussion of the lectionary text. I'm your host, Derek Scott III, and we got a beautiful team here. We want to shout out to Brooke, who's actually doing some stuff on campus today. So uh, we miss her, but we got an incredible group of folks, and we're going to have an awesome discussion. Let me first say hello to my friend here at Studio Wesley, Michael Yerick. Michael, how are you doing today? Good. I have everything bagel toast. Wait, everything bagel hummus and... Uh, non-bread. That's what it is. Got those words out. It's early. That's it's, a, it, it's a bit early. It's a bit early. Yep. And and my, I'll just let y'all know my internet's been acting so crazy today, like crazy on a level that you can't even imagine. But Michael has been, he's been patient. Michael's been patient with me. So awesome. Let me introduce another member of the Studio Wesley team, Sydney Buchanan. Sydney, how are you doing today? I am good. It is my first day of the weekend, so I'm just. I'm thrilled. You know? Awesome. Come on through with that, y'all. Sydney uh, is a part of Studio Wesley team. You'll be seeing more from her uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, Halen from Atlanta. And uh, we're really grateful for her. And then we've got my friend, the Reverend Jess Williams from United Wesley in Miami. Jess, how are you doing today, my friend? I am doing great. Happy to be with you all again and ready to have a wonderful time. Awesome. So glad to have you with us. If you we're watching season one. You saw Jess um, quite a bit in season one of Studio Wesley Annex. And so we're really grateful to have him back. So friends, we're going to dive in. It is the sixth week in Epiphany. Um, I know some people are like, no, Derek, it's ordinary time. And I'm telling you, this is Epiphany. We are still in the season of light. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to dive right in. Friends, let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for who you are and all that you do. Just pray your blessing um, on our, our discussion today as we open the text to pray for connection, uh, both the connection that we have between each other and also the connection of the internet. Please, Jesus. And uh, we're excited to be with you and with each other. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, again, sixth week of Epiphany. We are coming to the close of this season. Um, getting really, really close to the end of the season of Epiphany. But this week we are looking at 1 Corinthians 3, Deuteronomy 30, Psalm 119, and Matthew 5, still walking through Matthew chapter 5. So uh, Sydney's actually going to get us started with the New Testament text, 1 Corinthians 3. And so Sydney, I just invite you to take it away. Yes. You want me to read it and then give you my thoughts? Actually, you just if you just want to read the section that... Uh, you're really paying attention to like that's cool and if you if it's the whole thing then it's the whole thing oh absolutely um all right so we're looking at first corinthians 3 1 through 9 um wisdom applied to divisions in the church i'm reading this in ceb brothers and sisters i couldn't talk to you like spiritual people but like unspiritual people like babies in christ I gave you milk to drink instead of solid food because you weren't up to it yet. Now, you are still not up to it because you are still unspiritual. When jealousy and fighting exist between you, aren't you unspiritual and living by human standards? When someone says, I belong to Paul, or someone else says, I belong to Apollos, aren't you acting like people without the spirit? After all, what is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants who helped you to believe. Each one had a role given to them by the Lord. I planted, 
Apollos watered, but God made it grow. Because of this, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only one who is anything is God who makes it grow. But the only one who is anything is God who makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together, but each one will receive their own reward for their own labor. We are God's co-workers and you are God's field, God's building. So this is the word of God for the people of God. Um, I think I actually was pleasantly surprised by, um, I think, how much I connected to this scripture, which is like not always my experience when reading the Bible. Um, and so I was, I, a lot was coming up as I was reading it. Um, the first thing I thought of was actually a TikTok I saw the other day um, of this guy who was like talking about how he's turning 25, um, which I'm turning 25 this summer. And the TikTok went something like, you know, you know, being afraid of turning 25, but then remembering that that means you're only going to be a five-year-old adult. <laughs> and so the idea that like, yeah, I'm turning 25, but like, I'm still a baby in the grand scheme of things of like adulthood and um, maturity. And so I think in light of that, like TikTok that I think made me laugh, this actually scripture brought me a lot of, um, in a way, like relief and like was very reassuring and calming for me um, because I think at times it's quite good to remember that um, we are children, we're babies <laughs> um, in our spiritual journeys and um, that's okay. There's, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I think that we just have to acknowledge that, um, acknowledge where we're at and be open to growth, be open to the seeds that people are planting in our lives. Um, and then when it's the right time, I believe that we grow. Um, when we're ready, when God has it in our plan, we grow. Um, and so I think maybe instead of a critique of the Church of Corinth, I'm approaching this today as an observation um, that we can have of ourselves and of the people around us. Um, that the journey of self-actualization and becoming the kingdom is something that um, it takes time. And um, I, you know, I when I read this, I think about times in my life that there have been people who have planted seeds for me and I wasn't ready to hear it. Um, a, a big example of this for me right now is stuff like self-discipline and um, stuff like, you know, your relationship with like substances or like alcohol or like these things that like when I was younger, I remember my pastors, my youth leaders having all kinds of thoughts and telling me all kinds of thoughts about how I need to be disciplined, how I need to you know, not saying how I need to, how alcohol is bad, how, you know, all these kinds of things. And at the time I was not ready to receive, um, any kind of growth or message from that stuff because where I was at, that wasn't necessarily, um, what I needed to hear 
Um, it, but now as, you know, an almost 25 year old, these are things that I'm like heavily revisiting, right? Like I have friends now who, um, are sober and I'm learning so much from them about like their sobriety and like how that is a big part of them, of their like growth and their spiritual growth. And I have, you know, I'm like reintroducing all this kind of like self-discipline into my life. And to me like that, that's what this is. It's like God, now the time that God is growing those things in my life, that those things are flourishing. And that doesn't mean that it was bad that those seeds were planted before, but um, anyway, so I'm just, I'm relating to this in both ways. I think there have been times where I've even, you know, tried to encourage or plant seeds in my friends' lives. Um, and I didn't feel like they were ready to receive it or open to hearing it. Um, and that's okay. Um, I think that when the time is right, it will happen. And so we can kind of take relief in the fact that sometimes even our own growth is a little bit out of our control. Um, and that, you know, we just have to keep our eyes on, um, love and God and, um, and these things will come with time. So that's, that's, I guess my main takeaways from this scripture. Um, yeah. What are y'all's thoughts? Sydney, I just, I want to, I want to give a moment of appreciation for how you approach the text. Um, I just, even as you were sort of talking about your sort of take, I just realized how easy it is for me to come to the scriptures with sort of this, yeah, something's wrong with me. Yeah, I'm not where I should be. Yeah, like, uh, and, and sort of this shame dynamic that I approach the scripture. And in a, in a beautiful way, you just short circuit that, short circuited that for me. Like, you're just like, no, we're not, we're not coming to the text like that today. We're not, we're, we're coming to the text as people who are on our journey and we are where we are. Um, and, and we could, we can be good about that. Like we are where we are. Like, and, and I, in listening to you, it makes me then rethink the voice that I'm hearing Paul and, and I am personally in my journey, my faith journey right now, I am kind of deconstructing those voices of the people in this uh, in the, in the scriptures who's talking and just asking this question like is this you know preacher in the pulpit in like late 90s early 2000s like is that the voice cuz that's not the context like Paul's not the preacher in the pulpit in the late 90s Paul is somebody else but so quickly that's the voice right like immediately that's the voice that I hear when I read Brothers and sisters, I couldn't talk to you like spiritual people, but like unspiritual people, like babies in Christ. I see this finger in my face, not this maternal leader that's like, it, we ain't it's not time to talk about accounting yet. Like, we're just like working out the vision. And that's where you should be. It's okay. It's a, so I just I want to thank you for literally just like being the voice of the mother Holy Spirit for me this morning and just like shutting down the voice that says you're a baby like i just, oh man thank you michael jess y'all got any thoughts yeah so correct me if i'm wrong sydney but i think i think at the end of that your your translation refers to god as a co-worker is that is that right i think yeah yeah i think i believe it's talking about us as co-workers and well it says like we're co-workers and god is the one who grows god is the one who um 
Yeah, I lost it. Gotcha. I well, maybe maybe this is going to be a little tangential now and not as connected. I'm going to say it anyways because I think it's interesting. I just like I, I I was hearing it as like God God being a coworker with us, which I was like that's really interesting. Like just in relation to like I'm picturing it's one way to like learn from your boss how to do the job and like you know you hear the guidelines and that's it. But when you like train underneath a coworker or like with a coworker, there's like a, a, gent a gentler aspect, at least in my history, where like you get, you know, you get the patience of, of the growth. You get like a more hands on training. You get like the background experience. They listen to your like struggles. They listen to your like frustrations and everything. And that's how they help you grow. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just connecting that to part of these things you said about like patience and just like there's a really gentle nature to that in the scripture, which I just think is, is really nice. Sorry, I couldn't find the unmute button. Yeah, no, I, I really love that. Um, I, I think that idea too, um, you mentioned, you know, people going through sobriety and, and I, I have permission, I think to say this, but uh, my brother is someone um, who's been going through sobriety for, for a long time. And I, and I constantly find this idea. And for me, it's really shaped how I've done my faith journey which is this idea of not being defined by what you've gone through or who you've been, but letting that be like the beautiful soil through which like your own flowers is growing. And this idea of like every day, it's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen in two days, but for today, these are the choices I'm going to make to be the person I want to be. And, and that seems to be this very freeing idea um, that whether it's, from some of the toxicity in our culture, whether it's from some of the arguments, you know, even theological disagreements that people have, like we have this beautiful ability to be present in who we are now to then be the person we're being called to be by God, the person that the Bible desires us to be, the, the person that we want to be. And, and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And like, I don't know how I'll think about everything. And, and that can be overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be like we're on this journey. And, and for me, I think that was just the, the part that you, you brought up that really connected with me was that that idea of that that journey and it's okay to be where you are it's okay to be in this like slow process and hearing messages that didn't mean anything before but now mean everything and maybe they won't mean anything in five years but we're we're on this and it's okay to be where we are and so i just love that and so appreciate it wow sydney how inspiring Thanks for getting us started uh, with this episode. My gosh. Um, I'm going to now take us into the Old Testament text, uh, Deuteronomy 30. Uh, Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. It's a pretty, um, I feel like I've heard this text many times in, in church world. And I'll shape the context and then read a couple of verses. Um, Moses is leading the second generation of the people of Israel who have uh, escaped, been delivered out of Egypt. So you had that one generation that had been in Egypt and uh, they were the ones who walked uh, across the Red Sea, kind of walked through it, right? They were the ones who um, experienced the, the, um, the, 12, the 12 plagues uh, and, and at least watched those plagues happen somewhat on their behalf. And, and then they're the, they're the, they are the generation that then walked around the mountain for 40 years, right? Like they're the generation that um, disobeyed. They did not have the kind of faith that they needed according to the text. Joshua and Caleb were like, we can do this. The other spies were like, no, we can't. And so they walked around the mountain for 40 years, walked in the desert for 40 years. And now we have the second generation, the generation that was born in the wilderness, if you will, born uh, under, uh, under the judgment of God, some would even say, 
and their parents have died and they are the second generation is getting ready to go into the promised land, into the, the land beyond the Jordan. And um, Moses is essentially giving them a repeat, but an update of all the instructions that have been given to their parents. And that's the entire book of Deuteronomy in many respects. It's this update of all that, that has happened and all that this next generation needs to remember. And as they are on the edge of the, of the promised land, Moses sort of creates this covenant with them. And it starts like this in verse, uh, verse 15. Look here, today I've set before you life and what's good versus death and what's wrong. If you obey the Lord your God's commandments that I'm commanding you right now by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments, his regulations and his, his case laws, then you will live and thrive and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen and, and so are misled, Worshiping other gods and serving them, I'm telling you right now that you will definitely die. You will not prolong your life on the fertile land that you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. He goes on to say, uh, to say these same things over and over again. Essentially, like, stay with God. It's going to go good with you in the new land. If you walk away from God, it's not going to go good with you. That's the context. And I just want to set that out there. One interesting thing about it is that... Um, in usually covenant making, and this is a bit of a covenant, in usually uh, covenant making, there's usually a third party, um, someone that can sort of sit between the two and, and sort of say, like, I saw this and, and I'm going to acknowledge, I'm going to witness to it. And if something goes wrong, they can come back to me and they can be like, hey, is that what we really heard? And so the two parties, in a sense, are the second generation of God's people, Israel, and God, Yahweh, God's self. So then who's the third party? And Moses is not making himself the third party because he won't be around. Um, so who's the third party? The third party is heaven and earth, the, 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 the earth and the sky. It is like the, the actual creation is the witness to what is happening here, this covenant that's being made between Yahweh and Yahweh's people. I'm not going to dive deep into that. But that says a whole lot to me about how we think about creation. If Moses is like, the creation is actually the witness between us. But I got to be honest. I got a couple issues with this passage. I want to put them on the table. And then I want to talk about the invitation that I think it offers. So the issue I have is this. The binary. I have an issue with this binary of life and death. With God, not with God. And the issue is that it's just not real. And I just want to name it. Like, it is, I think it is easy for Moses to sort of say, I have set before you life and death. I have set before you blessing and cursing. I think that that's easy for Moses to say. But in real time, like in real life, I don't know about you. And I just want to name it. There are things that are life-giving that feel like hell to me. <laughs> and there are things that are apparently to my death that are like, but that was so fun. Oh my God, it was so fun. And like, I know that there's, there's some people out there who's like, sin feels good. It's like, yeah, sometimes like vegetables suck. Like, can we just be honest about that? But like this binary that's presented is sometimes really complicated for many of us. And there's a mindset, it's like, actually, no, I really like things black and white. I really like that, like, this is good and this is bad. 
I'm happy for you. I'm really like that. That makes that probably makes your existence a lot easier than mine. But I just want to name that this actually would have been even harder for me if I had been standing there. This would have been a space. I'm like, so like, what if I've got a question? What if, what if the people that are supposed to be good to me are actually bad to me? Um, what if the people that I'm actually supposed to stay away from because they live a different life or uh, have different values? What if they actually become safe for me? And I want to remind us that this is a word that is given before things happen. Pause. Yes, it was written after the things happened and that's another conversation. But I just want to stay in context on the timeline, okay? Unpause. This was written before the things happened. It is often quite easy to unpack and sort of binary the choices before we get down the road. And so much of maturity is recognizing that life is actually not that simple. And, and Yahweh's people, the second generation, that is what they're going to face. They're going to face the fact that some of the things that seem like they're good aren't good. And some of the things that seem like they're death are actually gonna lead to a weird kind of life. And, and I just I put that on the table and just remind us like, this sounds really good. This covenant sounds really simple. It's not. And I don't even think it's meant to be. It's a part of a larger conversation which leads to the invitation. The invitation, I think, is they're about to head into a, a, new, a, a new phase, a new season, a new era. That era is going to be really hard. This next season, it's not like it's going to, walking into the new, the new space, walking across the Jordan, it's going to just be like, oh, this is amazing. No, friends, this is going to be, this is going to hurt. And we're going to need to have some memories like this one memory that reminds us, okay, there is a way that leads to life and there's a way that leads to death. And we need to be discerning about, even though it's not a binary, even though it's going to be super complicated, we need to be discerning about the choices that we make and, and take responsibility for that. We can't just push it all on Yahweh. We can't just say, it must be somebody, it's our parents. No, 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 no. Where you're headed, you have choices. And yes, the choices are complicated, there are uh, binaries are not really helpful, but this memory that the people of Israel are going to have is that we do have a choice in each of these moments. And that's where we're about to go. We are about to go into the land where we have to make choices. Okay. So that's my thought. Love the covenant, love the section, love the history issue with the binary, but we're going, we're, we're, we're growing up. We're going into maturity where we get to make some choices and we have this memory that will help us in those choices. Okay, friends, make sense of all the stuff that I just said. Thank you. I don't know if I'm going to make sense of it. I may make it more complicated. I um just in hearing everything you talk, it's hard for me to not picture like the second generation that grows up in the wilderness or whatever and how they're they like they're in that group naturally, at least in my opinion. There would be a, a section of people that are like is this even real? Like, are we ever actually going to find anything good? Like I grew up in this, like my parents talked about it. I don't have the hope they did. Cause I've just, this is all I've ever known. Right. And then it makes Moses's binary feel like the older person just being like, well, you're either going to live or you're going to die. Like, that's it. So pick one, you know, and that, that makes it a little harder for me to like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. That's like, that's all I'm adding to the conversation. I have no, like, 
positive spin on the end of it. I'm just like, that's what I hear here in it now. Um, and that's it. <laughs> All right, well, I'll I'll go then. So, I I I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. I really like this passage, and I and I actually I do agree like with Derek on a lot of the ideas of in life. Like I'm I'm a big I'm a big proponent of the importance of gray space, um, and I, I've been surrounded most of my life by a lot of very black and white people. Uh, but then I I do come into a lot of people who are way more like even more colorful than me. So then I feel like I'm the black and white person at times. And it's really funny. And, um, and yeah, there, there is a security in thinking that everything's black and white. That is not real, but, and I've come to my sense. And I, I think that at least in my life now, this idea is not that it's necessarily black and white, like this binary that, that seems laid out. I mean, I guess this is my way of coping with this, like my, my own like exegesis to make it like, yeah, just cool with this is more of like the end game has these options of life versus death, but the paths we take to them are incredibly nuanced and, and alleviated and, and stacing, and that's okay. Um, and of course, like, you know, for if any of, of my students, people who know me in real life know this, is that this passage is also like, I have a, a tattoo on my arm down here that I can't show off right now because I wore a sleeve shirt and didn't read the Deuteronomy text ahead of time because I was super well prepared but um but my tattoo is based off of this idea i have the tree of life that becomes a black mamba snake that wraps my arm and the idea is the idea of life and death and and when i was calling when i was praying about if i wanted to go into ministry if i was called into it i kept having this dream of this image of a snake and a tree fighting each other and it was you know choose life was the phrase that what i would hear and so this idea of like in the moments we live. And so for me, I, I have the snake and the tree kind of mixing together. The scales and the bark at one point are like, you can't tell which one's which. And for me, that's the moment we get to live in with each breath. Like, are we on a journey that is bringing us towards life or are we on a journey that's bringing us towards death? And, and sometimes life, the journey of life feels like death. It feels like pain. It feels horrible. It feels gross. And sometimes the journey of death feels really great. And we don't even realize it. Like, I know that that's what I've done before. I've been in relationships with people that felt great and turned out to be very not life-giving, right? And so I think part of the beauty of life is, is that process of discernment of how do we establish that it's not so black and white. It's not so easy. It's not just do this, don't do this. But it really is this partnering with the Holy Spirit to become aware of who we are so that we can be on a journey that is bringing life not just for ourselves, but for everyone around us and for the world, right? Like that's the, the fullness of Christian maturity is that it's not just about me and my individual journey with God. It's about partnering with my people who believe or don't believe the same way as me, who look or don't look the same way as me, and for the whole world around us to be on this, this gray journey of life. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's really important to acknowledge that, that like it's not a binary, it's not simple, you know, and, and sometimes it does feel like an old man just yelling at us because he's about to die and he doesn't care. Um, but I, I think there's real beauty there in the idea of it is a, a journey of life and death. And, it, and it, it's not as intense as that sounds to us sometimes, but it's more of just the beauty of the fact that every choice we make matters to some degree. And every choice also doesn't have ultimate consequence that's going to ruin everything. 
Like there's this beautiful path that we get to walk just like the Israelites did. So yeah, that's, that's what I got. Yeah, all of it. Um, <laughs> I also, I think, okay, I'm gathering my thoughts. I also think that I, my first impulse was um, a lot of question marks around this scripture, um, mostly because, mostly because um, I think that especially because we get this like this pulling in of like a nature imagery of like heaven and earth as a witness, my mind always goes to the analogy of death and life in our ecosystems, right? And in our like planet as these two things are not opposites as these two things are things that feed into one another, right? Like death brings life, right? we fertilize the soil and then, and then it, it gives me like, and so like when I think of this, it's, I don't think of this as a binary. I think of this almost as like a cyclical when I, when I tend to think of like death and life. Um, I don't necessarily think that's what this scripture is doing. That's just what I feel like a philosophy I've adapted into like my own kind of perception of like death and life. And that applies to like, you know, we go through hard times and it feels like death and we get all these things pulled off of us, all these kind of, you know, like the imagery and, and John, like being like a tree that's being, you know, pruned and all these branches being cut off. Um, but then that's what we need for us to grow new things. Right. So um, there's that piece. But then I also think that <clears throat> when I think about the ways, just in general, when I'm reading scriptures about laws and following laws and following commandments, um, one of the ways I feel like I can connect to it as somebody who is very recently really trying to readapt a lot of discipline into my life is the idea of my values. Um, and I think that we all have different values. We all have things that are like important to us and that we think are, um, what we need for our own growth and we've learned about us. And so I think about, when I am making complex decisions in my life, am I holding my values at the center and anchoring myself with my values? Or am I, you know, just making whatever decisions I, you know, feel so called to make in that moment? Because there are times when our feelings aren't going to guide us the right way. Sometimes we really do need those values, those core those core things that we can return to. And so I do think that when I read scriptures about laws and commandments, that's one of the biggest ways I can relate to it. It's like, yeah, sometimes I do need, sometimes I do need to return to a value, to a centering thing that I'm like, you know what? I'm always anchored in love. I'm always anchored in, you know, authenticity. I'm always anchored in these kinds of things that will help me make the decisions. I think that will lead to, um growth life and all these things so yeah there's a lot there wow y'all this episode <laughs> this episode six weeks of epiphany we're gonna uh take a quick break we'll be right back
Hi friends! If we haven't met, my name is Allison and I'm here to talk to you about one of the resources that we have to offer at The Wellness Project. The Wellness Project has two new cohorts starting this spring and you should definitely join us. A cohort is a mental health module that has been designed by campus ministers and students on our design team. The first cohort is titled Mental Health Overview and is exactly what it sounds like. There are eight sessions total and each session covers a different topic on mental health and wellness to give you a general overview of what those topics are. The second cohort is called Peer Support and that's four sessions all to do with peer support. We would love to have you join us and if you'd like to sign up, go to studiowesley.org slash wellnessproject. And we're back. And I'm uh, really excited about this episode. I just, I'm already getting so much out of it. We're only halfway through and, and it's just, it's really, really good. So um, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to Michael and uh, he's going to talk to us about the Psalm text. Take it away, Michael. Hello. Okay. So I'm doing Psalm 119, the first chunk verses one through eight. Uh, before I start, I just have to say these fun facts because I found them out and I thought they were fun. Um, this is uh, Psalms 119 is an acrostic poem which uh, we might remember as those poems in elementary school where we like wrote our name and then wrote sentences for each letter in our name. That's the type of acrostic poem. This is a different type of acrostic poem. Doesn't matter. It's just a fun fact. Uh, because of that, Psalms 119 is divided into 22 stanzas, one for each character of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, and this is the first stanza, the first, the first letter. Um, this psalm, the whole psalm is like, uh, a praise for the teachings of God. So um, praising God for not only all that he's given us, but also for kind of giving us a guide or guiding us on how to live with all that he gave us is my understanding. So this first chunk is kind of the, what I would call the setup for that maybe. Um, and when I say praise, I feel like it's a very tactful praise, like, um, like, I don't know, college level persuasion. So um before I go there, I like just talk talking about my relationship with like rules in the Bible because I do think this is talking about like God's commands, God's like set of rules or got a guidebook as you will. Like sometimes I hesitate in like Bible situations about talking so heavily about the like it just makes me uncomfortable. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying for me personally because I think that sometimes people can get so sucked into like these are the rules but not the context around the rules or like what goes along with those rules, things like grace. And we'll talk about, I'll talk about that in a second. Going back to like the argument of persuasion that I mentioned this uh, scripture, the first couple verses, we have like what I would call like the cut and dry, the objective truth, like boom, 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 happier people who walk with integrity, who live according to the teachings of God, just very factual things. And then the second part of this like persuasion is, is like God's perspective, like, what God has done. God gave us these rules and was very careful about or wanting us to keep them like very intact. And the final part of it, which I'm going to be talking about a little bit is um, the personal experience of the person who wrote this Psalm, which is like, which starts off, I'm going to read these couple verses. It says, Oh, that every part of my life would rem would remain in line with what you require. Then I would feel no shame when I fix my eyes upon your commands. With a pure heart, I will give thanks to you when I hear about your just and fair rulings. I will live within your limits. Do not abandon me completely. And um, and this is the part that I like 
just really like a lot. So the first part, how I wish my ways were strong when it comes to keeping your statutes. Um, we don't wish for things if we think that we have them, right? So the writers, in my opinion, saying like, although I have all this great information about how good it is to follow you and follow, following your rules and stuff, I also recognize that all of that is easier said than done. And I, I wish I was stronger when it came to like keeping those rules myself. And then in verse six, if I was better about keeping your rules and your word, I probably wouldn't be ashamed when I look over your commandments. There's like now this recognition of fault and imperfection for me that I think connects this logical side that this writer has to like the emotional side of this thing. Again, like we're all here. We're all here just trying to do our best. We want to do better. We want to grow like with these rules and your followings, God. Um, but we also recognize that that's not the easiest thing in the world. Um, so when I read this psalm, I just get this desire to, to make this effort with a pure heart, like the scripture says, uh, with a pure heart, I will give these thanks to you. Um, so like the word heart posture that we always talk about, following God's commands with an intention to do our best while recognizing that there's also it's also not perfect. And what that does for me is like it, it kind of remedies an entire conversation that we have about the, like the rules of the Bible that can be so misused and misguided sometimes where it's like, if you don't follow these rules, you're a bad person or like just the judgmental aspect of like rules and commands that God gives. And instead it brings in this aspect of like, we're not, we're not perfect. We're trying really hard. And like you're the place that your heart is and you're like valiant effort to follow these commands of God or these teachings of God that he gives us with a pure heart. That's like the biggest thing we can ask for, right? It's just the effort. And it's not, it's not as much about whether you do or whether you don't this binary that we were talking about earlier. It's more about like where your heart is when you're making the effort in the first place. And yeah, that's very nice for me. So I'm going to stop there and let it, you guys take it away. Beautiful. Wow. Sydney, Jess, y'all got any thoughts on what Michael just brought us? Um, yeah, I, I really like that approach to um, the scripture. I think that I um, often approach Psalms like um, to like relate to like an internal experience, you know? Um, and I think that th that moment where it's like, I wish I were in my, in my translation, it's like, I wish my ways were strong when it comes to keeping your statutes, then I wouldn't be ashamed. Um, is like so real. Um, <laughs> it's like a really real experience when approaching the Bible. And sometimes that shame can keep you away from the Bible. You know, like if, if you don't want, if you want to avoid that feeling of like, you know, being reminded of all the things that you've done wrong. Um, so yeah, just that it's, um, we're not coming at it expecting ourselves to like be perfect, you know? So. Yeah, for sure. And I, I also like, I mean, I think you laid out beautifully this idea of, you know, and we've been talking about this, like this, the journey of, of faith and life and, and how, how to view things and how to move forward. And I, I just, I love the ending of, of this section of Psalm 119. Um, like, 
when he says like, I will observe your statutes, but do not utterly forsake me. Like it almost is this idea of like, all right, God, like, listen, I'm going to, I'm doing my best to do what you want me to do. Like, don't screw me over, <laughs> which is like, you know, not how we're supposed to talk in church or how people talk about, but like the Psalms is like the place where it's like, no, like people have real emotions and it's, it's good for us to be like, God, I don't fully understand why this is what I'm supposed to do, but it feels like it's the right thing. I'm going to do it. Like, don't bring me to shame. Like, be with me, like, help me out. And like, that's okay. And it's okay to also be like, I don't know why this makes sense or, you know, and, and so, you know, we, we have these Psalms, these, these beautiful poems that really allow us to accept the fact that we are human creatures with human emotions who make human decisions and that God is okay with that too. Like God made us that way. And so it's not about being intense about having everything to be perfect or about falling into, into line. It's about being honest in this relationship we have with God and what does that look like and how do we move forward? And so I think you, you brought, brought that out really beautifully, Mike. So thanks. I'm just going to echo what Sydney and Jess said. I loved the voice and I don't know why I'm so paying attention to these voices today, but I love the voice that you brought to this psalm. Um, and and I almost, like, I had this moment when you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, that's David. Like, that's da that's that's the heart of David right there, like, that is speaking this desire to, and I guess for me, the, it's almost like sometimes the voice for me is a person who's already figured this out, so they're just, they're reading it. It's like, I hope you're hearing this. Like, I got it. Did you get it? But the way you read it, Mike, and the way you approach it is like, gosh, if I if I could really keep your commandments, I wouldn't be ashamed. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it was so real. So I just really appreciate it. So good and so so deep. Uh, oh, lovely. Y'all, we're getting close to landing this plane. So Jess is going to bring us a reflection on Matthew chapter 5 as we continue to walk through it. So take it away, my friend. All right. Yeah, so Matthew chapter 5. Um, I'm, I'm sure if, if you have not been following along, then Matthew chapter 5 is the first chapter, which is a, a, a important section of the New Testament, uh, called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, one of the things that I love about this, this whole section is that, um, at least in, in how I see this, Matthew is essentially taking all of like the important things that Jesus has said that, that people have heard about, that he's like preached on, things that have are important for daily life. And he's put them all in one place in the Gospel of Matthew, whereas in Luke and other places, they're, they're spread out. There's certain aspects here, and they're moved around. And Matthew has it all set up in one place. Like, hey, if you want to know what Jesus had to say about certain important things in our time, here they are. And so the section today, uh, Matthew 5, 21 through like 37, um, is about three big topics. Um, and it's about anger, right, or how do we deal with, you know, the – basically just the anger, the murder, these different issues, um, adultery and divorce. So uh, we don't have, you know, the time and I'm not definitely not going to preach to you about all these things. Um, and so instead, as I was reading through these, one of the things that I think is, is really kind of cool that, that hits me is this idea I've always talked about, which is if we want to be, if we want to take the Bible serious in the fact that God says that he wants to be like a, a, a good parent, Right. Not, not like a human parent, not someone um, who is swung by emotions. And, and there's all kinds of texts in the Bible that make this you know, a little hard. But this idea of God is a good parent. And, and then I give myself this thought, like, 
when when good parents get seem to be the most angry or seem to be the most strict tends to be on the things that like they really care about our well-being in and and so i didn't say that well but the idea is this like if you are a kid like when i was a young kid i used to go play ball with my friends when those balls would go out into the street my dad out of nowhere would just scream at me and be like don't let the ball go on the street and i used to always think he was just mad at me right but the idea now as i got older is like no like my dad was afraid and and didn't want me to come to harm and so as I read through these texts, like, you know, sometimes there's very intense language here and we, and we see these things of like, you know, basically in the, in the anger section, he says, hey, you've heard it said not to murder. Um, but I tell you, like, if you even call someone a fool, right, raka in, in this in this Hebrew or this idea of calling someone like good for nothing, an idiot, someone who can't even like make decisions for anyone, um, then you are like susceptible to the, the, the hell of fire, right, in this Gehenna. Um, and, and it seems so intense and it's like, wow, like that, that seems like there's no room for grace. There's no room for, for any mistakes. And it's like, why is God so intense? Um, but the reality, right, is as, as we dive through these stories is it's not that God is in here like, hey, if you just mess up one time, it's over, you're done. Like that's not the story of the scripture. But instead the idea is like, hey, like the beautiful idea of life is for us to figure out ways to live and move, not just for ourselves but for everyone around us, right? And it's, it's like what I said earlier about this idea of Christian maturity is like, it's not just about my selfish relationship with God, but it's about how can I find and make choices that not only bring me life, but bring life to the people around me, regardless of our agreements, our disagreements, like our religious backgrounds, these different things, like this is the image that God puts us to. And so what does that look like? Well, it looks like going around and not calling other people idiots for beliefs that we disagree with. It looks like going to your brother when you have issues and, and working them out instead of just getting passive aggressive or, or angry behind people's backs. It looks like when we make vows, we make commitments that we stay committed to those things as best we can. Right. And, and there's all kinds of, you know, like we talked about earlier, it's, it's not black and white, right? There's, there's shades of gray on these paths of life and paths of death. But the idea behind God's words here, for me at least, is this idea of how do we journey in ways that are bringing life to ourselves and to those around us? How are we dealing with the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror, or whatever you identify as, right? To be people who do not just, out of anger, cause harm to the people around us. How do we control some of our urges to protect the people that we've been committed to, whether that's in marriages, relationships, or even just in friendships, right? How often we mess that up. And that this, this whole concept behind God's words for divorce and for adultery and for, for anger can sometimes seem very intense, to, especially to a lot of us today in the modern world. But I think if I can challenge all of us, and I challenge myself to this, is how do we see God's heart in these stories? Is God's heart just for us to be robots he controls? Or is it truly for us to find a way of life that is worth living for the good of not only ourselves, but for those around us? So, yeah. So, so for me, um, that's what it is. And, and this idea of not calling my brother a fool um, is something that I'm definitely struggling and trying to live into. How, how can I give people who I disagree with and people I'm in arguments with not let my anger come out towards them, but truly try to be a person who is bringing love, grace, reconciliation, maybe not directly to them if it's too toxic, but at least so that my heart is not being compressed by that anger um so yeah so that, that's what it got into me but i'd love to hear what everyone else has to say 
Wow. Thanks for that, Jess. Super profound. Sydney, Michael, you got any thoughts on what Jess brought us? Um, yeah, thank you, Jess. I um I really I love I love this kind of like you keep pulling us back to this idea of like bringing life. And um I think that I I love too the way you were discussing like not only bringing life to others but to ourselves. And I think often that those two things are the same thing. You know, I think it's amazing how like when we are doing good things for ourselves, it does good things for our community. When we're doing good things for our community, it also changes us and does good things. And so it's like this idea that like the scripture is telling us like, it's not only about what we're doing out here. It's also about the effect that it's having in here. It's about what's happening inside because when we're bringing life, we're bringing life, right? You know what I mean? It's like, it's this like give and take. Um, it's all the same thing. Um, and I think that's really beautiful. So, yeah, thank you. To to kind of <clears throat> come off of that too, and Jesse said this for a very very quick second, but I, but I heard it, and I'm and now I'm thinking about it. Is just that like how how are you? How do you do that for people where it may be toxic on yourself, like where it has these negative ramifications for yourself? And I think what Sydney just said and what you were sharing is is that answer, right? Like sometimes you do have to take care of yourself in order to help those people that maybe you can't have contact with because it's none negative reflection for yourself. So anyways, that probably wasn't the most eloquently worded, but I think we're all there. And I, you know, as you were talking, Jess, I, I began to think about how maybe we approach the laws, even, even the, the Sermon on the Mount. Do we approach them as the end of the conversation? Like, this is it. Or is this the beginning of the conversation? And it seems that like the, 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 how do I say this? The approach that Jesus is pushing back against are those who are like, this is it. This is the law. This is where it ends. This is, it's all, everything is so that this law can be what it is. Like this law can, and I feel like Jesus is like, actually, yo, this is the beginning. Like this, this conversation we're having is to actually like, take us into a different way of talking about these issues, a different way of seeing these issues. And so then it's interesting to me the way that we even in 2023 look at law and rules and customs and norms and, and we're supposed to be this way and we're supposed to do that thing. And, and it's almost like we, at times, even those of us who are more liberative in our perspectives on the world, see those laws as the end of a conversation. Well, this is our rights. And so we're just shutting this, this whole conversation down. It's like, I wonder what it looks like for these, these ideas to, because we believe that everyone has human dignity, because we believe that a woman should have the right to her own body, because we want to see that all people are able to live incredible lives regardless of their ability. Like, instead of the shutting down conversation using the law, how does the law open up the conversation? And so that's just, that was just the thought that I was, as you were talking about this parent particularly, um, and just the, 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 the ways that the text was really sort of even, you know, not calling my brother a fool. Like, the not calling your brother a fool is not the end of the conversation. Like, 
<laughs> it, it is actually supposed to take us down a different road, a different conversation of how we relate to our siblings. Um, so I just appreciate uh, what you brought there, Jess. And I'll just say in a, in a way of closing, we are, the, the sixth week of Epiphany this year is, is kind of the last week. Next week is Transfiguration, which literally takes us into the season of Lent. Um, and so I, I, I wonder in what ways these texts are, in, in a similar way, last, even last week's texts, are preparing us for a season of, of, of introspection and reflection and, and asking deep, profound questions. I mean, this is what the season of light does, right? Like on one hand, the season of light illuminates and like, oh, everything's bright, everything's cheery. And also light shines on parts. They were like, ooh, can we, can we not shine a light on that part? Like, I'd like to cover that up. And that's the stuff that we want to pay attention to on our journey. And I, I, I wonder in what ways the Holy Spirit is trying to illuminate, not everything, but like this one thing that maybe we might be taking into the season of Lent. And I'll just name that I think some of us as, as well um, will go into Lent saying, I'm going to fast this thing or I'm going to take on this practice. I wonder if now is the time, not like Ash Wednesday, like, which is what I usually do. I usually wait till Ash Wednesday to decide, okay, I think I'm going to give up French fries again. That's what I'm going to do, French fries. I wonder if right now, sixth week of Epiphany, is the time to be inquiring of the Holy Spirit. Like, what, what is it that, yes, I, I, I'm on my journey and I'm not yet mature and everything, but it's like actually time for me to grow up in this one thing. What is the thing, like, it's actually time for me to take on a rule, a law, a rule of life maybe, that renegotiates and recalibrates the direction. Sydney, I love, like, you, at 25, you're talking about discipline in a way that like, you're not 25 yet, you're getting ready for it, right? But like, it's the whole thing. Like, you, there's this thing that said, you know what? Now's the time to talk about this. Now's the time to think about this particular part of my life. And so I just invite those who are watching, listening, that maybe these, these scriptures really are like trying to take us on this journey. It's been a beautiful season of light. And next week we're going to be, um, amazed and in awe and and maybe even um uh sort of uh triggered I, mean, I think the transfiguration is a bit triggering in some respects too like we are something's gonna change next week in the way we read the text and then we go into a new season a new spiritual season and maybe the holy spirit is actually preparing us through these texts and so i invite us this week to like Take the text and see if that's what's happening. See if that is, it's not just the Christian year, but it's actually the journey that we're being invited to go on. So all of that to say, Jess, would you close us in prayer? I would love to. Let's pray. Heavenly God, we come before you thankful for the fact that, that you are a God who is all about the journey. God, we thank you for these scriptures. We ask that um, as we continue to dwell on them, um, that you, Holy Spirit, would meet us in our journeying, that you would open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear, help us to gain wisdom, not just for our own edification, God, but for truly the life worth living for us and for those around us. God, we pray that we feel your grace more abundantly each day, that we know we are loved truly and deeply, that you are with us and that we are not alone. We love you. 
And we ask that you show us the ways that lead to life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. This episode. Gosh. I mean, y'all have no idea how hard it was to actually get into the episode. But I am just edified so much right now. Jess, thank you for always bringing your wisdom to the table. Sydney, <laughs> oh, my gosh. You are just incredibly brilliant. And I am so thankful for your voice in my life and in this episode. And Michael, always the creative, always the, the just intelligent take uh, and the, the heart take of, of the text. Just so grateful for it. Friends, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week for another episode of Studio Wesley Annex. Be well.